Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today's podcast is sponsored by DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports where payday can come every day when you enter their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is pretty simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before, as every moment means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. To date, DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. And DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Broadway Boys podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 60, as Andy and I are going to talk a little bit about the news going around the league and just uh, you know what it means for the New York Rangers going forward as we approach the expansion draft that's right around the corner. I know I feel like every podcast I say that, but it is true. Uh, the days are now numbered, and Andy and I are just going to kind of wing it and have some fun here today. Uh, but first, obviously, I got to ask Andy, how are you doing? I'm humid. It's hot. I sh- I showered a scant hour ago and already my hair, which was looking nice and, and refreshed and lush, is already uh, as greasy as a nervous public defender. But, uh, you know, it's uh, heat, you know, humidity aside, the, uh, the off season's underway. Things are happening. Uh, a lot of things happened in the last two days, you know, ever since the Lightning's Cup parade uh, went down. And yeah, now you can see the dominoes falling. And uh, yeah, you're, you're, we've seen already seen some stuff that we did not expect. And some of the, the things uh, that are being thrown around by hockey pundits and insiders are, yeah, they're definitely interesting. Uh, it seems like there's going to be a lot. I We all knew there was going to be a lot of action this offseason, but it seems like there might be even more than we originally intended, which is, yeah, I mean, I think that's partially with the flat cap and teams like we had mentioned our last podcast teams are just going to try to deck as much salary as they can. So, yeah, uh, and that affects, you know, some of the names being floated out there are 
players that almost every team in the league wants. So it affects everyone. So it's definitely uh, off to an interesting start. Yeah. And I really wanted to kind of start with the Tampa Bay Lightning because I feel like they're at they're at this weird pinnacle point where they've won back to back cups. They did it when they were over the cap. They realized that, you know, given the current roster, that things have to change. Uh, players have to be moved. And I feel like or there's a consensus around the league that all these middle of the pack teams that they're right on the cusp of being able to compete for a Stanley cup. And if you look at like some of the teams that were really, you know, you know, up there in terms of um, being competitive this year, obviously you had the, the elites of the elite with like Colorado, the Vegas, the, you know, the lightning, obviously were one of those teams. And then you have like, the, the second tier teams that, you know, made these kind of crazy runs and and felt like they had all these pieces that that could have got them there if the, you know, if the Tampa Bay Lightning weren't over the cap. You know, the I guess the Islanders were probably part of that tier one team, but, um, you know, like the Minnesota Wild and the and the um, uh, Montreal Canadiens and, and those teams like that. So I, I don't know. Is there any, you know, validity to to that claim because I feel like now that things are starting to get crazy they're only going to get crazier because every team feels like they're right right there like they're right on the cusp and you know you take away the you know the being over the cap you know who knows who could have won the cup yeah I mean we it's said all the time about the parity in this league is pretty is you know as high as it's ever been uh listen the New York Islanders were you know, a few goals away from attention, potentially going to the Stanley Cup final. And uh, I think we can safely say they probably would have beat the br- the brakes off of Montreal, just kind just like the Lightning did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and like I said, Col- Vegas and Colorado, even though they maybe mentally shot themselves in the foot a little bit or just were so had they didn't get the goaltending they needed at times. Uh, yeah, you could. I, you could easily have seen it going in a, you know, maybe in an alternate timeline, them winning uh, with the pieces they have right now, them winning the cup. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting because I think as opposed to the way that I think the league felt like it was trending before the pandemic, I think everyone kind of was seeing, Oh, you have to build slowly from within. And if you're, it's the dreaded middle and, you know, but I also think for whatever reason, just the way, things have gone down recently uh and especially with how tampa has kind of operated their business yes obviously they are they are homegrown and that is one of the biggest things because they just they even when they lose pieces they just they turn their second and third rounders into really really good useful players but at the same time i think all it takes is a team of destiny like montreal to go on that run and now all of a sudden every team in the league is like hey man we can get in if we can get in we could probably go to this cup final and listen they uh it it's might be strange for hockey fans to hear this but sometimes even a team would rather get in if even if it cost them if it ultimately wasn't at, it didn't help their overall chances uh, in terms of just having a sustainable organic uh, team to compete for the cup that playoff revenue is a huge thing, especially with the the pandemic right now. Uh, and yeah, and also we we're also seeing that the experience is, you know, gravely important because it's, it's, you know, teams play a little bit bigger. And I, I think when they have, when they've been there before, and I think that helps how many times have we seen 
you know, I and obviously the Rangers were maybe an example of this, or you see teams that probably shouldn't make it to the playoffs, but they do and they hang around. You know, they usually get bounced in the first round, but sometimes they actually, you know, even get through the first round into the second round. And that's just because they play, they walk with their chest out a little bit higher, whether it's they have the personnel or not, and it helps them more. And we also see teams that on paper should be ready to make that next step. And they don't because mentally they just don't have that confidence or they're not there yet. Or they don't, you know, that's why they, uh, Edmonton just traded for a, uh, past, you know, a Duncan Keith way past his expiration date. Cause they, they are of the opinion that he can bring that knowledge that will help them. You know, the Oilers have a little bit more swagger and feel like they have, uh, pieces that have been there and done that and can help them get over the hump. So, yeah, uh, the parity in this league is pretty pretty high right now, and obviously, and now I mean, even with some of the news this week, you're seeing that teams are in one fell swoop in one week. They can almost change the entire outlook or dynamic of where they're headed in the future. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty wild time, uh, which is obviously good for us as hockey fans because it, I think you, for so long GMs have all you know they kind of sit on their thumbs. They're so afraid to make moves. Well, all it takes is one or two ballsy GMs to start changing their fortunes where everyone realizes, oh, we get, we can't afford to sit on the sidelines. Yeah. And you know, it's funny how you see like the different reactions for different teams, right? You have, basically you have the Edmonton Oilers who brought in, uh, Duncan Keith to kind of, you know, be that stabilizing presence. The guy, the guy, you know, has been to the, you know, the deep into the playoffs, won Stanley cups, played a huge role with the Blackhawks. Uh, played crazy minutes and was just kind of that backbone, steady presence, uh, you know, behind that team. And then you have, you know, the um, the Minnesota Wild and and then, you know, basically buying out two guys who thought, you know, they were going to build around a decade ago. And it just it, it's like two different teams in two different spots. And and, you know, one brings in the older guy, the two shed the two older guys. And it's just uh you know, it just kind of starts this whole offseason off with a craze. Now, I do want to get into both of these moves by both of these teams and kind of bring it back to what it means for the Rangers in terms of, you know, uh, some players are now available. Um, like, how old is too old? You know, you know, how much does analytics play, you know, as a part in, in, in these organizations that make them, you know, make these kind of moves? And should we expect more of this stuff to happen before you know, the signings really start to begin, uh, you know, July 28th with uh, some of the free agents. So first let's get into Edmonton. Cause I feel like, um, uh, this one's a little bit juicier and I had a little bit more, I had more questions with this one because this one was interesting. Now, when you look at the Edmonton Oilers and how they're built, obviously they center around two players and the two players are not enough to win playoff games, let alone a playoff round, let alone a Stanley Cup, in my opinion. Now, Edmonton, instead of bringing in more depth, take on a player who I think is trending completely downward and is not really going to help them in in exactly what they need. They, they need depth. They need secondary scoring. They need other options besides, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl. What what is there? What is the meaning of sign of bringing in Keith and getting him here or into Edmonton? Oh, I should say. Here. Oh man! Uh, so here's what we know: Duncan Keith was not. Uh, he's separated from his wife, 
his ex-wife. So his son lives with his ex-wife in Canada. Due to the pandemic and him playing in Chicago, uh, obviously with the border restrictions and these, he couldn't, he hasn't seen his son in a while. He probably, they've probably reunited since, obviously, but he was looking at having to potentially do that again for another season. So apparently he requested a trade. And I think it was a situation where I don't, th- even though maybe internally Chicago wanted to trade him or maybe would want to get out from under that cap hit initially, they probably felt like a, he, you know, he was the longest tenured player on that team. They didn't want to do, they've, you know, do wrong by him considering all he's done for them. You know, the, the multiple cups, the, the con Smythe trophy, just all of it, you know, he's a leader on the team. So they, they probably just didn't, but then he comes to them and says, listen, I, I would, I would like to be close to my son. You know, they're, they're secretly jumping for joy because they're like, we, we need to shed salary in the worst way. This is an albatross of contract at this part. It's good for it, but they also get to make him happy. So all parties are happy with it, but this is he's asked for this, right? Then on Edmonton, uh, obviously, you have McDade and, McDavid and Dreisaitl have failed to get past the first round, right? Or did they get past in the first round of the bubble? I don't know. I made a mistake in a blog. They... And- 2017 they beat the sharks in a round okay so they've they've like they've so they've made the playoffs only a handful of times since mcdavid has entered the league and they've only got out of the first round once and then they were subsequently uh, eliminated in the second round so they haven't been able to string a, a run a run together in the postseason despite having two of the best players in the world so i guess they feel that internally that they need rings in the room you know the pat maroon effect you need people that have been there and done that before and know what it takes and can help mentor their younger players in the back end which in theory yeah in theory i could maybe understand right here's the problem duncan keith requested a trade uh next season you know, he how many years does he have left on his contract? I should I just pulled cap friendly. Duncan Keith. So he's got two years uh or he's got one year left and he's UFA in twenty uh no, he's got two years left uh, at five point five million dollars, right? So he's requested a trade. You know this. And you're gonna what so they and they not only do they take on Duncan Keith's salary, they don't get Chicago to retain any salary. So they take the full cap hit on and they give a prospect and a, like what a third round pick. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like, are, are you fucking kidding me? Like I, I, like, like I said, I understand, but there was no Keith. Wa- the ball was in your court. You wanted this. You were going to help. Shook- like, obviously you have to do, give them something. Even if it was Caleb Jones, who's I th- ultimately think is 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 probably not much of a prospect, but it's at this point it's the other pro the other the pick is what makes me more upset. Like well, I don't like it's not you're doing them a favor, and now I think in, it's like it was weird that they asked for him. So obviously the speculation is now Chicago is going to see if they can somehow get get uh, Seth Jones to, to want to come to Chicago so he can be in the same organization as his brother, even though I, so I have my doubts whether, you know, Caleb Jones will ever play in the NHL, but I digress. Um, yeah, just the ball was firmly in Edmonton's court and they just, they, a went after the wrong guy in Duncan Keith. You can get, there's plenty of other guys around the league that have cup rings. Maybe they don't have the same weight behind it as a Duncan Keith does, but 
his on ice performance has been trending exactly as you would think a guy in his late thirties would at this point. I think he is maybe a bottom pairing defender. If I'm being generous, you can, if you, and it's, that's great. Maybe if you can shelter him, maybe then it's worth it. But you look at Edmonton's back end and uh, like outside of Darnell nurse, like, like it's a whole bunch of meh, like Tyson Barry, not a good defender. Dmitry Kulikov, Adam Larson, like these, like uh, these are guys that you would all like to be even like younger guys who are kind of finding their game, like Ethan bear outside of nurse, like the rest of them. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just, I just don't understand this at all. I understand the, the sentiment of maybe wanting a player with that type of weight to, to mentor and help us usher in a, a, just a mind, a cultural shift or mindset change. But, at that but, price? Are you kidding me? Well, yeah, at that it. price and that roster. Like, listen, if the New York Rangers brought in Duncan Keith to play for the next two seasons, I'd be like, you know what? I, I, I you know, let's see what he's got. I think it'd be beneficial for the locker room. He'd be beneficial for a lot of the young prospects that we have coming up. Like, there's a guy that as soon as those kids walk into the locker room, they're going to look to to lead, to be the voice. To kind of, you know, take control when, you know, things, you know, start to get, you know, out of hand in the middle of the season, you know, to be that, you know, voice of reason if they go on a, you know, a three game skid. There's different elements that Duncan Keith could bring to a locker room, but it depends which locker room. Like, I, I don't see, like, to me, the, I feel like, all right, so about a year ago, I think you and I had a, a podcast where I told you that on NHL radio, they said the Minnesota Wild are the furthest team from a Stanley Cup, and that is including the Seattle Kraken. And I was like, they're too old. You know, you know, they're they're trending in the wrong direction. They just keep getting older. And, you know, for them, they brought in a few young pieces and all of a sudden it's changed their franchise. Like, I'm still waiting for Edmonton to finally be like you know what we need to add you know x y and z because we can't get past the first round whereas edmonton now they're like no we need a steady presence in the locker room we need the guy to teach us on how it's done it's like you're not you're beyond that point you need to bring the complementary pieces like you know the minnesota wild were able to find via the draft or via trade and 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 grow your team that way you're not rebuilding you're not a, a team that has too many young pieces and needs that, you know, voice of reason in the locker room. And you certainly don't need it on the back end. It's one thing to stick Joe Thornton on your fourth line if that if that's what you want to do. But, you know, they're acting like Keith is going to be playing 25 minutes a game. And, and they're like gloating about this move like it's some genius move. Now, I do want to ask you, Andy, because obviously we kind of agree that was like kind of a weird move that doesn't make any sense is there a chance that you know Keith f- figures out and plays a, a a really good simple game in Edmonton and actually ends up thriving for the next two years with that roster I I think he will probably take on a reduced role which might aid him but the problem is the role you're go- he's going to be playing is not commiserate of a five million dollar player 5.5 excuse me million dollar player 
And yeah, I just, I don't, like I said, it's, it's that this is something you can get out. How much, like when, when, when Tampa Bay Lightning brought in Pat Maroon as their sole <laughs> cup voice, how much was he making? A million something, maybe? Like, I, you know, he, he wasn't making a lot of money, and it was Pat Maroon. Doesn't clearly have the same weight, but lo and behold, apparently, I don't know if that's it helped, but apparently, like they said, he did work in that locker room all year, and this is when they were kind of reeling from that first round uh, knockout by uh, Columbus a couple seasons ago. So, I mean, you can get this time, but type, type these type of leaderships out there. Cup guys with rings are out there. Uh, but it doesn't have to come at this cost. And again, I don't, like I said, I, it's not even the fact it's like, I wouldn't do it if I was a GM, just because I know his on ice play will never be commiserate with what, even if it, I don't think it, it will offset maybe, you know, that what he brings to a locker room, even if he is like the, the commiserate pro and, and, uh, uh, if he's, you know, he just helps galvanize this entire Oilers team together and find some more faith in themselves and maybe play with a little bit more swagger. But it's just the price was way too high. And yeah, I don't clearly Edmonton doesn't invest heavily in their analytics department, you know, and it, obviously it's also made worse by the fact that even though he doesn't have a cup ring that uh, Ryan Suter of scant few days later is suddenly bought out by the Minnesota Wild and despite his age, he's a guy who is still a very good defender. And also the fact that there's rumblings that Mark Giordano might get exposed. So he might be a guy that, you know, not that the, that they would tr- ever trade with their, you know, their rival, but it's just these guys, guys who are still productive and that who can be had for less than $5.5 million will, will be, will, will eventually be out there. They, maybe they don't have the, the totality of weight behind their name that a Duncan Keith will, but their honest performance, I'm sure will at least soften the blow if they're maybe not, you know, if they were only just a, maybe a contributor to a passenger, you know? Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm glad you brought the Minnesota wild because the Minnesota wild seems to be on the reverse end of the spectrum. And, you know, they shed some, you know, I, I get, I, I wouldn't say dead weight because they're going to have to eat a lot of their, um, a lot of that cap space for a long time yeah for a very long time which is which is fine and and if there's ever a team that knows something about uh just you know dead cap just hitting you know affecting us is is certainly us and you know because we've had so many big contracts bought out um but i do think it says a lot you know it's not really about the money and the cap hits over the next few years it's more about the message it kind of sends to the fan base and to the team and that, you know, Minnesota is kind of ready to move on from, you know, what they were trying to do. And, and it, it's kind of like there's a new beginning in Minnesota and it's a little refreshing. And, you know, even though those are buyouts and it's almost like addition by subtraction, whereas the Minnesota wild, I'm way more confident that they shed those two guys. They create a little bit more cap room this year. Um, they eat it you know, over the, oh God, I forget how many years they eat it, but it's a pretty long time. And, you know, I don't know. It kind of speaks to me a little bit, like, cause I could see, you know, it's what kind of the Rangers have done to some of their bad contracts. And whenever there's a buyout, it's like, ah, man, the money kind of stings over the next few years, but it's kind of refreshing and new and, and you see a team trending in the right direction and, and they, they do a move like this. And I, I just feel like, there's a team on the move. 
I'm confident in what they're doing. Whereas like Edmonton, I felt the complete opposite. I felt like he just panicked, you know, read an article that, you know, teams need experience and to, you know, get older and gritty and playoff experience and uh, give me Keith and take whatever you want. You know, kind of like that situation. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously shocked a lot of people. I'm sure most of all it shocked Suter and Parise. Uh, I think there was like a report floating around that Suter just hung up on Garen like before they could even finish the phone call. Really? Yeah. It's it's bad. Uh, And the weird, the weird thing is obviously those contracts were bad. Um, even though Parise is definitely bad for Parise, Zach, uh, Ryan Suter, obviously still a pretty good productive player in his own and not, not a bad player by any means, but just obviously not worth that cap hit. But yeah, I mean, this was a, you know, pun intended. This was a, a wild one to hear. Um, and yeah, I mean, to your point, obviously you understand what they're trying to do. They're trying they're cause you know, they've been in the dreaded mill for so long. It's kind of been their fate. So they're trying clearly uh, Bill Guerin. He's made a, a, a couple of wild moves. I keep saying wild. I don't, I don't mean to do that. I swear. Uh, <laughs> he's, made a couple, he's made a couple of really ballsy moves since coming in. And he's clearly trying to overhaul the roster in his, uh, you know, in, in his image, in his head. And I like that. Honestly, I like the fact that, you know, cause GMs kind of, so many GMs just kind of inherit the team that was given to them and they, they don't want to, change up too much because a part of them is like well i can have a little bit more job security whereas if you if you do the type of tear up tearing down that he's doing and then it doesn't work out you're probably going to be gone pretty quick because you you not only did you just not get the job done you also like squandered good pieces that you probably had you let them go you know so it's definitely a gamble i mean listen yes they have cap space for next two years but from 2023 to 2025 those two guys, that's 14.74 million in dead cap space. That's a lot of money. And the, the cap is staying static. So it's weird because at first I didn't know what to think. I'm like, they're supposed to be competing now, but you're hearing all this weird stuff about Caprizov playing hardball and that he might go back, run back to Russia. I don't know. You don't know if it's posturing. You don't know if he's part, if he's, if he's like, you know what, honestly, does he really want to be with play in the wild? There's a lot of that going on. Players do, do not seem to be as shy as they once were about asking for change of sceneries. You know, we see in the NBA all the time. I thought it was only a matter of time before you see it becomes more commonplace in the NHL. Uh, yeah, so it's you have to wonder. It's like I when it happened, a part of me is like, well, are they rebuilding? Are they going to then immediately use this cap space to go after Seth Jones or Jack Eichel? Are they going to start start training their prospects? I mean. It's very, it's very strange. I, I don't know. Is he? I don't know. I honestly don't know if he's going for it or if he's trying to just retool in his image or he just, you know, he just felt you had to kind of like Phil Kessel in, in Toronto. You have to get out from under the player, even if it's like, yeah, I don't, I, I honestly, this one shocked me and there's a lot to read into it. Uh, I assume Zach Parise goes back to Lou Lamorello on the island. So he'll be an Islander. Uh, <laughs> which it is what it is. Parise is, you know, he's, he'll be a good depth winger for them, you know, especially maybe under that system, it'll be a little bit, it'll, it'll might bring them a little bit more goal scoring if they need it. Uh, Suter, I think every team in the league is who's besides the Minnesota wild is going to want to be in on that, which means he probably won't be cheap, but uh, James, 
I'll tell you this, he probably won't cost $5.5 million. So hindsight 2020 for Edmonton, you know, unfortunately this happened a scant few days later. I wonder if they had known that, if they would have maybe had made the, the pitch to Ryan Suter, come play with the best player in the world. He's going to get one eventually, right? Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Uh, this was a this was just a crazy, unexpected thing to happen. And they so they're, Bill Garren's got something in mind. It'll be fascinating to see what it is. Yeah, I think... Yeah, you know, looking at that move, you know, I'm see, I'm more optimistic about it. I, I believe that if you go into you know a situation where those two players are making all that money, they're kind of old news. The franchise needs something new. They need something refreshing. It it it. Some players just they run their course through an organization, and it, it's not reflective of the person or the player as a person or the player as like an actual player. Like like you said, like. Suter was, you know, not, you know, the worst defenseman in the league, certainly not worth his money, but, you know, still now, a pretty good defenseman, though. Yeah, you know, pretty good defenseman and and that certainly belongs on an NHL roster. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, looking at how the Rangers were built for so long and, you know, had you have some of that, you know, those players that you just knew were kind of just you brought in, they were older it's kind of stale. It just it doesn't seem to be working. I think those two players represent the Minnesota Wild of old, where they were just boring, middle of the pack. They keep finishing, you know, just inside the playoffs or just outside the playoffs. And, you know, I just felt like, you know, those two players, to me, it makes, you know, the Minnesota Wild a little bit more stale. And, and I don't think they were really benefiting that hockey club. And, you know, if you get rid of that weight, you get rid of that cap and you just kind of turn a blind eye to it and and eat it for the next couple of years, you can transform your your franchise around, you know, players that are going to be here long term. And, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, what Guerin did. Both of those players lined up on an NHL roster somewhere. And and, you know, hopefully, you know, especially Suter gets the cup he deserves. You know, if, uh, you know, Brisa ends up on the Islanders, he can go to hell. I don't care less if he gets a, a cup <laughs> or not. Um, it, it's just like one of those things where, you know, I feel like that move, I don't know. I, I For me, buyouts that large kind of just reminds me of the Rangers getting rid of their dead weight. And it, it does wonders for my psyche. And that's how I kind of view the Minnesota Wild. If I'm a Minnesota Wild fan, I'd be thrilled. Now, I do want to get into... You know, with that move being made, obviously there's a trend towards, uh, you know, a lot of the analytics departments and of these teams are, are growing. And I saw a chart the other day uh, that represented it pretty well. Just, you know, here in 2015 or whatever year it was, uh, here's the analytic department for every single team. And it was like one, maybe two people, uh, a franchise. Today, you, you, the bad teams, the ones that you see, only only have one or two people running their analytics analytics department. A lot of you know teams have you know five and, and actually have a, a team and not just a couple of people that you know run stats. Uh, maybe prior uh, prior to um, game time. So, do you think some of these bigger moves? Um, obviously not the Edmonton one, but you know, this off season, especially, especially now they have a new team, the Seattle Kraken, how much are we going to see analytics drive the current, you know, the way teams are currently built in the NHL? 
because you see in in baseball, right? There's a there's a big right now a lot of friction between the old school and new school analytics where, you know, the Yankees, you know, obviously hit all those home runs and some people say you need, you know, players to, you know, get on base and and then drive those guys in. So, what is the, you know, overall state of the NHL and and you know, are, is it just going to get crazier with the analytics and is are we going to see something in the NHL like we see in the MLB? I mean, the the NHL is definitely a few. Uh, I don't know, a few paces very, behind the MLB. They're very far. Yeah, they're very far behind. Yeah, the MLB especially is, because they're they're still. Whereas a baseball is a very static game and a little bit more easy quantifiable, where hockey is a little bit more free flowing. There's a lot more physics going on that can affect player performance. Uh, the quality of teammates is so much more impactful. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah. But that being said, you, there, you are kind of seeing the same thing in that there are, and look, I think the problem is the, like everything else, the right, you know, analytics are a tool and they just tell you, tell you something, how you interpret that something or what you think that something means is kind of what ultimately makes it either useful or not. Um, and obviously a lot of, teams will give canned answers like about that like oh you know we 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 have our own analytics or we like we believe it's an important tool but we believe it's only one part of the pro well yeah like totally i understand that i mean listen and but i mean i think the problem what, what i ha- kind of get my feathers up at is that a lot of times that it'll be they'll say like oh well all this nonsense and it's like you know this nonsense is just something that it's like you have someone just watching the game and saying like okay you know this person when he was on the ice, this is how many shots his team took or he took for high danger chances or how many were prevented when he was on the ice. And it's just, it's just as simple as that. It can be something as simple as shots, but because that it's like to make it easier, they give it a different name and say it's this. And all of a sudden it's like this weird voodoo of people that don't only computers like quant like, I just don't know how they, they think this information is getting, you know, well, disseminated. Um, but yeah, I just think it's one of those things that, when a team wins the cup, it's like, Oh, Tampa finally added, you know, grit and they won the cup. It's like, well, they, they added players who seem to forecheck a lot, but they, they're, they added players who seem to forecheck a lot, but also had good underlying numbers. Whereas Toronto added players that were perceived to be gritty in like a Wayne Simmons, but his, his on ice analytics have been horrible forever. And he didn't do absolute jack squat for them. You know, it's just, it's just weird when it works out. It's like, it's never like, Oh, you know, Hey, like they, they did a good job. The analytics played a good part. It's like, no, they, they found that intangible, whatever. And let's, yes, listen, not let's, like I said, analytics, it's not the end all be all. Of course not. Uh, Obviously there are sometimes you have players that are just simply in different situations and a change of scenery can really transform their game. And you can see big progress being made or situations, but I think for the most part, I think a lot of the times it's that, especially in the in on Twitter, you see a lot of because uh, obviously you have analytics that teams that work for teams, so they're not releasing their stuff. But you have people doing public models and saying like, "Hey, I made a model. This is what it says." They're trying to do something. They don't purport to say this is is what it is. They say my model says this is how this is what I'm coming up with, and it's like people take that that that's their what they see as the gospel, even though sh- like sharing your results and and other people sharing their results and trying to find variants and models like that's kind of part of it. You know what I mean? So 
Uh, well, sorry, I'm turning in this to a diet. No, no. Go ahead. Well, no, because I, I and I, you know, I think I brought this up to you before. I do want to do like an analytics podcast where you do kind of explain some of the things because, you know, I, I think it gets a little too overwhelming with some of the the stats that they they keep they keep track of. And, you know, f- for me, you know, growing up playing the game, um, obviously the the very the there was very few stats actually being kept you know just playing the game itself and then watching hockey growing up you know there was plus minus you know you know goals for goals against like it just seemed like there was just there were none of these in-depth like analytical like who's driving the goal scoring and stuff like that and and for me i think those stats are are truly important because they they do tell a picture of of the bigger thing but there's you touched on this before hockey is not like a baseball where it's pitcher versus batter. You go up, this is what this hitter does against lefties, righties in a dome outside, uh, in the South, in the cold. Like there's so many different variables that you can pinpoint to one situation. Whereas hockey is played, you know, it's organized chaos. Like it's so hard to actually tell you what, makes one team win versus another team and you know you could say you know this analytics like this team needs more of this this team needs more of that but at the end of the day it's like the reason why that team has good analytics and the other team has poor analytics is is certainly players like there's a difference between the tampa bay lightning and um uh, the ottawa senators or the detroit red wings like it's it's pretty clear and apparent I don't know how much of a factor analytics plays in the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the the New York Islanders. I I think it's the X factors that 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 drive those results more so. All right, we want a team that can make the playoffs. I think analytics could help you there. I don't know if it can win you a championship. I think ultimately you need the best players in the world with a very good coach that is adaptable and can play different styles in different rounds against different teams. Like not many analytics can, can put that together. That that's just my opinion, but I do think it's a huge piece on how you get there. No, exactly. And that's the thing. It's not the end all be all. I mean, I think you would, there's like I said, the, the nature, by the very nature of analytics and like, and things like that, there's always going to be variance. Mm -hmm. Uh, not, not many people had, uh, you know the Montreal Canadiens making it to the Stanley Cup final, and gr- granted, if if they played the playoffs over again, they might they most likely wouldn't. But just sometimes goalies get hot, and they have teams can play. You know, teams can just all of a sudden bring bring their pieces elements together and have some good performances. We've talked about parity. It's just the thing is, I think it, it it's what, something that if you you can put yourself in the conversation, if you are someone that makes shrewd moves and you can avoid because at least it avoids the fact that giving money to like David Clarkson, like the Leafs did all those years ago, <laughs> yeah. where it's like he has a he has a, a whatever ridiculous season he has for New Jersey. And he's a Toronto-born player, so they're like, he's going to come home to Toronto. We're trading for this guy. He's going to save our franchise. And then all of a sudden, because you see the number, you see like his goals and assists. But then all of a sudden, if you dig a little bit deeper, all of a sudden you realize like, oh, this guy was basically kind of standing close to the net and was getting fed everything uh, by uh, Patrick Elias or whatever, or whatever 
was on the ice with him. And then when Patrick Elias was off the ice, his performance was horrible. <laughs> like it was just bad. And that's the thing. He was just the right. He had a lucky season. He had right place, right time. So it's like, it helps you avoid the pitfalls that get, it helps you. I, I say this. It's like, if there's a path to the Stanley cup, those are twigs that you don't have to run over with the spoke of your bicycle that you can avoid. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can, de- you know, they can, they can obviously help you a little. They can also hinder you a lot. If you, choosing to ignore them or choose to to interpret them wrong you know so and And, yeah it's not the end all be all there are some things that are totally unquantifiable but it help it can if you it's just something that you can it's like good practices it's like putting your your it's like keeping your body healthy basically if the team's a body it's like eating eating health you'll you'll put yourself in a better position ultimately to get there but obviously that to get 100 percent of the way you need good coaching you need uh, buy-in from the players. You need good performances and you trust in your teammates. And that's the thing. But, you know, sometimes there are teams that have all that and they just, unfortunately, their body fails them because they're just, you know, not, the the personnel is just not up to snuff. Yeah, and, you know, if you look at, you know, just all the teams in the NHL, right, where the markets are, you know, I do think that if you throw in Lafreniere in a market where there's less pressure to succeed, he actually might do better. And if you put him in New York City, he might have a tough time adjusting. He might have a, uh, you know, a tough time with the more distractions, uh, more media scrutiny. Like there's so many factors that factor outside of just being on the ice and playing and, you know, goals for for 60 minutes and goals against for 60 minutes. Like it, there's so many there's so many more elements I think that like kind of play into it, but I do agree with you. I mean, all these need to be a part of the conversation. And, you know, if you look at this off season, right, I feel like this year more than ever, and maybe it's because Hank's gone off our team and our roster is so young, you know, do you, do you feel that now that the league is getting younger and, the next generation is kind of on the cusp of really taking over the league. And I, I know you have the Ovechkins and the Crosbys, but you know, the players that we kind of grew up uh, and that were our age that are kind of, you know, stars in the NHL are kind of fading and the new ones are kind of taking over. Do you think it's going to be like that? Do you think more analytics are going to be coming to the department? And I got to ask you a question, Andy, how prepared are the New York Rangers? Um, when it comes to analytics and, and I, I know we've touched on it with Val Kett and, and what his company does, but you know, can you give it, enlighten us with uh, any information you have on that? Well, all right. So take, listen, uh, as someone, even though I'm someone who I think analytics can be extremely useful, I am not the most uh, up on analytics. Like I can't tell you off the top of my head, like every, you know, what besides things like Corsi and, you know, maybe Fenwick. There's so uh, so many stats that I can't even keep track of them. But obviously, usually if someone who does know, uh, and maybe we'll have Jay Fresh on the podcast one time to explain all this to us because we're like we're children, uh, can just explain and they'll just explain the way it was like, oh, okay, that's something that's actually pretty simple. But it's just it's a long winded way of saying it. It's just easier to say one word. Um, as far as the Rangers go, I mean, they're I believe they currently have a few. I think actually on Twitter there was like every so every year I think there's an analytics like a chart like of every team's analytics personnel. Like I remember the Rangers at least had three names on it. And here's the thing, different teams have 
different, um, you know, they have different, they might have different names for different titles. Like right, it might yeah. not say, some teams will flat out say like, you know, like you have Matt Cater. Uh, does he work for, who does he work for? Does he work for uh, the Canes? Who are the, like the Carolina Hurricanes are very heavily into analytics. And you know why? Because their owner is a cheapskate. And much like uh, Moneyball, <laughs> you know, back Bean. in the, you know, Billy Bean, he's like, why you can have undervalued players that add stuff. And because at the end of the day, he wants to save money. He doesn't want to spend a crazy amount of money. He thinks it's not worth taking defensemen in like whatever the first round, whatever the hell he said. If you, you know, he didn't want to pay. He's so, he's super lucky that uh, Brenda Moore just wants to live in Carolina and doesn't want to leave because, you know, he doesn't want to pay him that much. Oh, yeah, here. I actually found it. So the analytics list. So and here's the thing. So I'm here's a I have a list of everyone that has an analytics related uh, job in the NHL currently with teams. Uh, there are not every team in the league is on this list, James. Okay. Uh, can you can you guess a team that doesn't have a single analytics person on this list? Well, based I'll, on our conversations today. Well, I'm gonna say Edmonton Oilers. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. They have one. They have oh, okay. one person. Justin uh, Mayhe, the manager of hockey analysis. And that's what I'm saying is that they, that's what, so you take that as a, with a grain of salt, a salt um, where that that's hockey analysis, but that could just be breaking down film or video as it stands. The New York Rangers have one, two, three, four people. They have a director of player, Jim Sullivan, who we've heard before. He is the director of player care development, also slash analytics and hockey tech. Okay. Uh, you have Richard Dry, director of sports technologies. So that would kind of determine that they're, you know, technology and computers and player tracking. I do know the Rangers are very big into like researching, you know, like physical growth and family history and health stuff. Um, they're one of the best teams in the league for that. We know Jim Ramsey has a great reputation, at least as an on ice, you know, trainer. But uh, remember when Philip Heedle got drafted and all there was all this talk that they spoke to his parents and like, you know, his family lineage and the fact that he was so tall and both of his parents, whatever are athletes. So they have a performance analyst and they have a software developer data analyst. So they have, so that's, and that's better. If you look at a scant few seasons ago, this is way better than what they had. So they're clearly starting to get into it. Drury has already said it's a tool that he thinks is very important and they will use. Uh, there's been speculation because this week we saw that the Rangers hired, um, you know, two of Gallant's, uh, who are the two guys that follow, follow Gerard Gallant everywhere? Mike Kelly and the other guy, you know what I'm saying? To the Rangers. I'm so bad. With yes, I got, I got it. It's, it's, um, it's Mike Kelly and Gord Murphy got promoted from, uh, Hartford. So, yeah. So, I mean, but there's a spot left. So there has been speculation that that, that spot will maybe go to a, a, uh, assistant who is maybe a little bit more progressive, you know, just to kind of round out, that type of think tank behind the bench um, or at least help disseminate a little bit more progressive thing to Gerard Gallant, who I think is a guy who is maybe a little bit old school. Not that that's a bad thing at all, mind you. Um, but yeah, it's also, it's funny because you see a lot of the teams that don't have, you know, uh, I don't see the Montreal, no, no Montreal's on here. There's a bunch of, yeah, but yeah, it's funny. It's that the teams that don't seem, there's a lot of teams that aren't big market teams, but that do seem to have a good number of analytics uh, people, you know? And 
and also, excuse me, I said uh, Matt Cater, which is for I, I, who I meant to say was Eric Tolsky, whereas Matt Cain is works for the Devils, and he he was a former uh, presence on social on you know hockey Twitter and social media, and these people get snatched up because they do good work. But um, yeah, I mean the way the Rangers I think are set up good. I do know also that Steve, our very own Steve Valaket, who gives kind of like. His own, obviously, he really does a lot of things, data tracking. He's got what he owns, Sport Logic. Is that him? Or the tracking project? I forget what the name of his company is. But um, he, obviously, he, during the Rangers intermission reports, he kind of, he gives a lot of stats a lot, but he breaks down a pretty digestible way. He's definitely shares his information with the New York Rangers. I mean, he works for MSG. I know he doesn't work for the team, but I assume he consults for them. He helps them from time to time. I'm sure they ask his opinion if they need something and he can help them out with the stats. I'm sure he does, you know? So I think the Rangers, much like a lot of teams on this, on this list that I'm looking at seem to have bought in even more and hell, uh, Seattle's not even the league yet. You know, they have one of the largest analytics departments, uh, on record right now. They have one, two, three, four, five, six. They have six people in their analytics department, supposedly, you know? I think only Toronto that, seems to have more right now. Cause I mean, cause well, coming in, if they're going to try to, if you're going to be taking, it's like teams are basically outside of a few certain situations, teams are basically giving you their scraps and saying, all right, these are the people, these are, these are what we see as superfluous. We don't want it anymore. Or we either can't, we either don't want it anymore or, it hurts to lose, but they, we think they're a little overvalued or make too much money. It's like, this is like the only pinky we're willing to cut off, you know? So now they have all these people that are going to go through, go dive into the numbers and dive into the video and try to dissect, like, does this guy who this team is getting rid of, do they, they think he's not worth it? Is there a disconnect there? Is there something, is there a reason they think that is like, is he a victim of circumstance or is he just not good? You know? So I think that's why they're set up that way. Cause they're going to have to make the best choice for their, that's in their best future interest. And I think this is can, something having a, a larger analytics team can really help them. Yeah. And you know, if you look at just the way analytics are right now in sports, right? Obviously football, heavy analytics, you have baseball, heavy analytics, but if there was some sort of indicator or, a machine that can spew out numbers that will give you the recipe for a winning team, or, you know, just a winning franchise. Um, there'd be a lot of money to be made, and you know, I just personally think it's it's the pen and paper more than it is the actual picture. Like you can you can try to build your team based off of analytics, and you can try to predict how a team that does this better, does that better, does this better will do against teams that don't maybe don't do those things as well. But ultimately I think it's a coin flip and especially when you get into the playoffs, right? It's a best of seven series. It's not just a one game coin toss. Uh, who's going to win? You know, there's different elements. There's adjustments that constantly have to be made. Um, you know, there, there are times when, you know, uh, if you look at a team like, you know, the Tampa Bay lightning who, you know, when they got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? You know, they kind of, you know, stuck, they got stuck playing comfortable hockey and, and, and couldn't get, you know, things going against them. And then the next year, you know, they're able to figure things out. 
they adjusted series to series. They adjusted on the fly against certain teams in certain situations. And you just saw them blossom into a, a team that just does everything well and are able to change it up when they when they need to. And, you know, I, I thought the Islanders are, are were on the cusp of being able to do that. I thought they were I thought that was the Stanley Cup finals, the East finals, whatever they called it this year. You know, I thought that was the Stanley Cup finals because I saw two coaches that were, you know, sometimes even put ego aside and say, you know, this system is not going to do well against this team. I need to switch it up. And, you know, I think it's the ability to be flexible, ability to bring in players that can play that flexible game that can uh, maybe do a little bit of every element good instead of one specific thing very well, which is why you see, I think, teams like the Edmonton Oilers fail because, you know, they have two guys that can score very, very well, but when you shut them down, they don't really do anything else that great. You know, team kind of lacks in every other department. So if you're not going to outscore your problems, what then what good is it having those two players? So, I, you know, it's just interesting, Andy, to see, you know, the growth of analytics and how they become more prevalent, especially within the fan base and, and Twitter. And you know, as soon as someone has a bad game, there's a million different things get thrown up online about, you know, their performance over the you know last se- few seasons or season or games. So, um, you know, I kind of just wanted to touch base on that. And I want to do a, an extended podcast where we kind of bring up some yeah. of the stuff that you do see online and kind of dive into it and, and talk about it. And this way, especially me, I, I'm, I'm more of an eyeball guy. And I, I know you send me some analytical stuff and, and I love that stuff. You know, trust me, I love numbers. I love looking at the stats and stuff like that. But, you know, overall, uh, I do think it, it's just a, a tool. And I think you see it the same way too. But, um, you know, I, I just wanted to ask you to see, you know, because this year I feel like it's a little bit crazy. And I don't know if it's the COVID reset where you know we're kind of going back to the 82 game schedule and things will be a little bit more normal that you know i don't know i just feel like the the league is trending in a direction it's getting younger we're getting older and i just wanted to see you know i see other sports changing i just wanted to see where hockey was you know kind of uh in that picture yeah i mean listen we talk about how it's getting prevalent but at the same time uh, Pierre Maguire was just hired to be director of player development, right? For, for the senators and Pierre has had maybe some, not, you know, he, he's on the record as any, and I like, I don't necessarily think he's totally off base that he, he is someone who thinks, uh, that there are some unquantifiable intangibles, which is absolutely true. I think the only problem is that Pierre has a, a very deep track record, especially when it comes to prospects of championing, championing, championing guys who have like these, and I say this in air quotes, like heroic performances at like world junior tournaments or was like scrappy players for, uh, yeah, you know, he, he's when, when the Montreal Canadians picked, uh, carry price over angelo esposito he was like lost his mind or something you know it's just yeah i think so he gets dunked on for that but yeah i think there's very much there are people that are very you know obviously the most insufferable people are the ones that are like heavily anti and the ones that are like take it as gospel you know what i mean whereas like i think the truth is like you said it's like the islanders are shopping nick letty where they're probably like hmm nick letty has been playing with the big minutes for us forever 
But all of a sudden, it seems to me that he doesn't seem to be doing some of the things he used to do as well as he does. But he's still a pretty okay defenseman. He's still an NHL defenseman, serviceable one. Let's take a look at his numbers. Huh. It looks like all of a sudden he's not driving offensive play as good as he has in past seasons. That's weird, you know? And how old is he? He's 29. Okay, that kind of confirms what I was starting to think. So maybe we should move out from this contract before it becomes an albatross and we can't move him, right? And that's something that... It'll never come up that analytics played a part in that, or we don't even know if it did. But I'm just saying, if it did, like it was useful. You had, you saw something in his performance, and we saw Trotz didn't lean is leaned on Pelican Pollock more and less on him, and has given him more offensive zone starts because he's been struggling. Uh, yeah, his his even strength defense has been struggling in the last few seasons, whereas he was always you know their number one for a while, even though maybe he was never a bona fide number one. But he was always a very good skater and good in transition, good at shutting things down. So, yeah, I think most of the times when things, are, you know, when when it's all goes right, you use all your inputs and your tools, your eyes, you use the, the analytics to help you maybe confirm things that you suspected. And then you go about your business and you just treat it as business. And that's that, you know, you don't you don't you know, cry about it. You don't like blast it as gospel or, you know, you just kind of do it and it helps you avoid maybe situations where like some other teams like Edmonton eventually find themselves in, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's certainly funny just to kind of see everything play out and, and, you know, in 10 years, I I think, you know, analytics will be even bigger in all sports. And it's just so funny to see the, the, the friction between, you know, people that, you know, especially like baseball, because it's more of like a a problem because especially we live in New York, people are Yankee fans. Yankees are, you know, neck deep in, in analytics. And that's basically what manages their, their baseball team. And then they, they don't, fans don't know what to do because they're not winning world series because they spent their entire life being winners. And now that they can't get the job done, they're blaming all these analytics and home runs and we need old school baseball. It's just so funny how it, it all works. And it's just like, listen, like, analytics do tell the picture what's going on on the ice and you know you said it right it's it's it pretty soon how you interpret jobs totally how you interpret it exactly exactly you took the words right out of my mouth so all right i don't know if you have anything else that you really want to discuss or 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 you know dive into but uh you know i I feel like you uh put me a little bit at ease with all the analytics and uh and and (laughs) the state of the rangers yeah, just to just to end that, it's like, look, I think the hard part is that uh, a lot of times, like I said, analytics are still pretty much in as least at least as it relates to the NHL are pretty much in its infancy. And we've seen all that, you know, warming the course stuff we've talked about. So for so many years with like Carolina, where even though they weren't getting the results early on, even though they had good underlying analytics, it's like. Yeah, it's still developing. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's like if you there are pictures of me in my in a high school yearbook where I have braces and, and a pizza face. You know what I mean? And not that I'm a, a stone cold fox right now, but at the same time, it's what? like, we're, you know, there's going to be awkward phases when you're you're growing. Right. When so you had that long hair, Andy. I yeah, I, listen, I had, you know, I had I went to phase. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, but like I'm saying, it's like it's things it's I think when people see things, whether it's opinions or analytics, I think a lot of the time it's taken as like, all right, they this person thinks this is the end of the road and this is what it is, where sometimes it's just, you know, it's trying to figure out bigger, bigger ways to do that. But if you do it in public, people take everything 
whether it's a trade rumor they saw on, you know, talking hockey or whatever, or, you know, uh, someone posts a chart as got that the, the person posting it is claiming it's gospel or everyone else think it's gospel when sometimes it's just people just trying to figure out, is there more to the story? So, yeah. So, yeah. So that's basically it for that. Um, you know, uh, congratulations to Pekka Rene on a excellent career. He retires this week. Uh, you know, uh, it obviously has made me think a little bit about what's going to happen to Henrik Lundqvist, a similar guy, uh, you know, older goaltender, you know, for some nice accolades, just never got it, never won the big one, unfortunately. So you do wonder how that affects that. You're already hearing about people waving or, or some players waving, uh, their no move so they could be exposed. Uh, Jeff Skinner is going to waive his no move clause to get exposed in the, the expansion draft. It's a lot of money. <laughs> I don't, does Seattle take them? Although they'll, they'll need, they'll need some faces. So we'll see, but, uh, who knows? Um, I mean, they need to be over the minimum. Yeah, so that's the thing. You have to find someone who can be usable. Like he might not be what people thought he. What obviously what Buffalo thought he was, but you know, he might if he gets you to the cap floor. And by the time you're good, that cap hit is you know his contract's almost done. Although I don't know, I think he's got a little bit more. Um, you know, I think uh, so. We'll yeah, we'll see on that. Like you said, they have to get the cap floor, so they might have to take some overpriced guys. But as long as they can be useful in some capacity, you go for the guy that's like overpriced, but at least has some use than the guy who's overpriced and can't bring much of anything to your team. You know, cough, cough, Duncan Keith. Uh, you know, I assume the Rangers will eventually buy out D'Angelo. Uh, who knows when, though? I don't think they're under the, the gun to do that, really. I think they'll do it on their own time. Uh, yeah, other than that, I just think every day I think you're going to hear more weird things uh, roll out from a freedman or an insider or, you know, local beat writers. Uh, as Yeah, because obviously this expansion draft's getting close. I, I have no idea what's going on with Jack Eichel. I, it seems that I think Elliot Friedman said the price has gone down, but still pretty high. I just think teams are going to wait or wait. And because obviously I, and I get it, Kevin, uh, Kevin Adams has to try to get the best deal he can. Teams are obviously going to wait him out. And I think it's going to be wait till he starts sweating a little bit. And then he's going to have to make a choice. Cause I think with everything with Jack Eichel's injury and the fact that the longer this goes on and it seems to be unresolved, he's going to have to do something like at some point, is he going to miss the, the totality of next season? You know, like, so at a certain point, <laughs> something's got to give, you know, whether or not, I don't know if that eventually means he's going to have to try to keep Jack for one more season to get this figured out or, or, you know, not make the trade until after. Yeah. But, and then does that, that's going to hurt the price. So, We'll see what happens there because at first everyone, it felt like sides were hot and heavy to get it done. But at the same time, obviously, the price has made some teams balk and has pushed that back. So, yeah, we'll see what happens on that. And like I said, a lot of lot of stuff going on right now. And I assume the second we stop recording this podcast, something huge is going to happen because, of course, it will. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I said buckle up last week. And right now I'm kind of getting thrown around the back seat because there's a lot of stuff going on. And I assume there's only more uh, wild things to come. Uh, that time pun was intended. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod. And please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. 
New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.